Welcome to Over 50 Starting Over. This is our special edition, and this is really the first time I've done the hosting by myself without Barry, and so I'm going to call this segment of our show The Merle Show. Uh, I don't know. It's a little self-serving, but I kind of like the, the the ring to it. And today I am honored to have Tim Winders on the show with me. Uh, I spoke about Tim Winders in his book last week on Over 50 Starting Over with Barry, and it was a big, big hit. He has written a book called Coach, A Story of Success Redefined. And Tim is a strategic coach. He's an author and also he's a fellow podcaster. He's got the show called the Seek Go Create podcast. And I've had a chance to listen to that a few times. And it is, if you want to get some good wisdom, listen to this podcast. It is, Tim uh, has it going on. So Tim, welcome to the show. I'm really happy to have you here. Great to be here, Merle. Good to talk to you. So I was uh, bringing up coach last week, Barry and I were talking about it and we had gotten really just to the tip of the, the iceberg here talking about the act of love in your book, but let's, let's just um, uh, do a quick summary of the book because I was very moved by this. Um, the, the main character of the book, Cooper Tucker is a person that has everything in life, if we were to look at Cooper, you know, driving down the street with his expensive Mercedes, uh, we would probably think, oh, my gosh, I, I wish I could be that guy. Uh, but it doesn't really uh, the the outside package doesn't necessarily match what was going on inside, does it, Tim? No, it doesn't. And and what it does, Merle, I guess the the real theme of almost everything that's going on in my life right now is really blowing up some of the paradigms we have in our culture about success. And so really one of the underlying themes of the book was to take what we think success is, kind of get underneath the surface and really then build upon what, obviously within the novel, the story, there was what true success might be to someone. So that was the general theme. And, and in many ways, it parallels a lot of what's going on that has gone on in my life. Mm. And in a lot of ways, it's exactly the title of your show. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more over 50 starting over. You know, I was thinking about this uh, as we were getting together. I'm like, this is, you're the perfect guest for this show. So, I, so, I mean, you, uh, uh, and I thought about, you know, I'm going to let you kind of give some details here, but I thought about your situation and, and I compared some of the things I've gone through and how hard they were. And but yours is like times a hundred. So tell me, tell me more about uh, what you mean by that. Uh, well, first of all, everything's relative. Everybody's got their story. Everybody's got their journey. There's not one that's I, I'll say this. I don't think there's a better or worse or, you know, levels. I think it whatever our journey is, that's what our journey is. And, and it's very difficult to judge someone by, oh, they've had a, they've had a death in the family. They've had sickness. They've gone through separation, divorce. They've had situation with children. Someone's is financial. Someone's is this, that, that they are just what they are. Yeah. And, and I think part of, if we really were to unpack that love, understanding and compassion is, is we need to have understanding and compassion for everyone and what they're going through so that we don't judge and try to rank all that. But my, our story is, is, 
interesting just because it it kind of touches on a few things that people hold as sacred cows in mm. our culture today mm-hmm. and that is that is financial success and money and business and you know being uh being at a certain level as far as our business and i i've always merle i've always been a business guy in fact right. um you know i met you know met your buddy larry you know met my met buddy larry. and my stepdad too that's exactly <laughs> right that's exactly right i mean we met uh probably 30 something years ago in an Amway business, network marketing and all. And man, I love those people there and all. I learned a lot, learned a ton there. I got saved there. That's where I met Jesus Christ. So many people did. Yep. Yeah. And so I, I I won't say anything negative about it. We did that for 10 years, but I, I just always been a business guy. I was one of these guys growing up in the late seventies, early eighties that I just wanted to make me some money. (laughs) And so I went to Georgia tech, became an engineer, got involved with business, corporate, things like that. But in the early two thousands, there's a lot of things in between there. We started some real estate companies Mm -hmm. that did very well. And, uh, and by the time, and we had a national coaching business and we had a a couple of side businesses that were related to real estate by the time 2008 hit and people probably know where this story is going. Yeah, (laughs) I sure do. By, By the time 2008 hit, we had two businesses, coaching and training and education business, and then also a lead generation business that they would have easily been valued at a seven figure business. Mm-hmm. Um, spinning off good and doing really well. And then we also had over 15 million valued it in 2008. I do the air quotes here for those that might be listening, valued at over $15 million, had partners, had all that kind of stuff. So so we were looking good, smelling good, living in a 6,000 square foot house in a yeah. country club out in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, golf courses everywhere on a lake, all that kind of stuff. And I really did think in my mid forties that I was almost retired. Mm. I really was thinking I'm, I am done. I'm living the good the dream. Life. You're living, living the, the dream. dream. Okay. I'm here in a, I'm in a retirement community out here. And, uh, you know, people would ask me said, Oh, so, uh, who's your parents? You know, like I'm not supposed to live here like right. my parents, <laughs> <laughs> but then 2008 hit Merle. And just to really quickly give the synopsis by 2013, we, my wife and I, we were bankrupt, mm. homeless, Mm. had nothing in the bank accounts, had no revenue or income coming in. And we basically moved into a 2002 Honda van, all of our stuff. And we became nomads and really have been traveling nomading ever since. I was just writing an email to my email subscribers that's going out tomorrow. And I was telling the story that it's almost 10 years ago to the day that that occurred. So- Uh. At just wow. before 50 years old, all of that occurred. So wow. to say starting over at 50. Yes, you got it. An understatement. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So so the rug got pulled out from underneath of you uh, and so many other people back in 2008. Uh, when you mentioned 2008, I, I start to sweat a little bit myself just because uh, I went through some tough times too back then. But okay, so I'm also a person who is married and I can't imagine what my wife would be like if I told her, hey, we're going to move into a van. Um, how how did that work? How Obviously, <laughs> you're, you're together now, and that, that had to take 
just every ounce of the inside of you and just lay it out. And, and I don't know how you made it through that, how you and your wife made it through that, Tim. Well, a little bit of sense of humor helps because when you said live in a van, I was thinking we're going to move in a van down by the river. I knew you were going to go down by the river and everything was great. <laughs> we, well, currently I'm, I'm uh, in a 39 foot motor coach and I am not far from a river here up here near Zion wow. National Park. So the a little different river, though than that van. A little different. Yeah. I'm in yeah. a motor coach now, but um, you know, Merle, that's a great question. And it's something that my wife and I have reflected on. We're still together. We made it through. Mm. which is, I know, quite an anomaly. Um, wow. And, and you know, the only thing I could say about it, and I don't want to say this to say that others didn't have this, but God was a part of all that we were doing. And we were in such unique places. My wife tells the story of sitting in my office in our home when I was explaining the details of where I saw this headed, if things really didn't miraculously change. Mm. And, you know, I was basic, basically telling her we're about to lose our home, our, you know, children of wow. 18 and 21 years old. We're going to have to tell them, go find a place because y'all don't have a place to come here. Wow. And, and she, she tells the story that there were so many thoughts running through her mind right then that had she opened her mouth and said them it would have caused irreparable harm to our mm. relationship mm. because i mean listen i don't want to generalize but women are generally wired for security yes men are hunter gatherers whatever you know goofballs at times but we're all of that and and i was basically saying all the security that we had built up over a certain period of time was was gone and of course it was impacting our children her children and our children so uh you know it was challenging yeah, and to say the least probably the thing uh, i want to go back to the the faith piece though because yes. i think it's foundational with a lot of things i think we should talk about here and i and i want someone listening in that may not agree with that to hang tight because i think it's very important because Good. um this is not a churchy talk this right. is a real communication and life story about God moving in someone's life. So I want to make sure you stick around if you're uh, going, oh man, I hope they don't go off on talking all this church stuff. No, we're not. Um, but but we, from our faith standpoint, mm -hmm. I, I had nowhere else to go, Merle. I didn't, mm -hmm. I, I was always one of these guys and a lot of guys that are listening in probably get this. I was always one of these guys that could figure out something. Mm-hmm on my own power. I thought I was decently smart. I knew I could work hard. I knew that, you know, I could figure something out. Well, as 2009 rolled along, 2010, 11, I couldn't figure anything out. Mm. I mean, there was a time I would roll out of bed and I would have a business idea. And by end of day, I'd have the business model in place and we'd start get a website up and start doing stuff. And I just had nothing. I even during that season when we, we were living behind these gates <laughs> at this country club community, <laughs> tried to get a job at McDonald's. And I went to the McDonald's just outside our gates. It's a real nice McDonald's. By right. the way. And I said, hey, listen, uh, I, I was wondering if I could just get a job here. And they go, oh, you can't apply here. You have to go online. Hmm. And so I, I'm 
I'm an engineer from Georgia Tech. I'm pretty adept at <laughs> doing mm. things online. I right. could not get the application to go through. So there was nothing that I felt like I could do. The wow. only thing, the only thing my wife and I did, this is a long answer to the to the question you had about my wife and I. We would get up in the morning, get a cup of coffee, and we would get our Bibles out and we would spend four, five, six hours a day studying God's word, sometimes begging and crying. Truthfully, my mm. prayers were probably not, oh Lord, I would really like something. They were like, like good grief, God, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> uh, wow. And so that's probably the foundation that kept us at least together at times that, uh, you know, we kind of didn't have anywhere else to go. We, we had yeah, each other. Yeah. We felt like we had God and that was about it during that time. I mean, it, it, when, when I think about or try to put myself in your place, Tim, and uh, think about how, uh, how, if I had to tell my wife those kinds of things, it would, and, and my kids, that would crush my heart and, and also my pride as a man. And, uh, and I would probably be walking around in a, a literal daze uh, after that for, for quite some time trying to figure out how to do things. But it seems to me that uh, the linchpin in this situation was God and was your faith and together with your wife. And, and I think what I'm hearing you say is that that gave a glimmer of a spark of hope that that yeah. kept you together in that situation. And I want to I want to switch over to the book a little bit because the this this uh, train wreck that you're talking about right now was sort of where Cooper was at the very beginning of the book. And I got to say this, your book is a page turner uh, from the very first page that I read. I, I, I was hooked um, and it starts out in a very dramatic way. Uh, Cooper is pointing a gun at his head and wanting to end everything. And he's, his life is in shambles. Um, did you feel like that at that situation, Tim? You know, I, I think I did, I, I, you know, some people, and, and I want to be real sensitive to this because hopelessness is extremely common in our world today. And when people are hopeless, they do a lot of odd things and people considering taking their life is a, is one of those things that people go through in general. I am not wired that way. I don't know. Some people might say narcissistic. Some people might say, you know, not able to grasp concept. I don't know. But, but there were times and I recall driving down the interstate thinking, you know, going across this bridge, if I just do a hard right, Yep. Maybe things would be better for the family. And those are some dark thoughts. And so yes, yes. I, I want to be sensitive to people that have gone through those thoughts. I don't have them as much, but when I began telling the story, I knew, and this is a good one for the topic of the show too, the, the men starting over over 50, you got to grab men's attention, especially with books. Mm because women read a lot more than men do. There's probably a lesson in that we could all learn from. We won't go down that path. <laughs> and so I knew that I probably had about five to 10 pages in the beginning 
that if I didn't reach through those pages, grab a guy by the neck and shake him real good, that I may not get him to the places later in the book that I really wanted to get it to. I really wanted to soften his heart or get his attention. Brilliant. Now, yeah. So, but the challenge it worked that, on me, Tim. I mean, I was yeah. like, oh my gosh. It, and it, it, the gun was a, a gun right out of Dirty Harry. Uh, <laughs> I said, I noticed that. I think you even said that. But I, in my head, I was right there in that movie. Um, and this is, this is, that is real man stuff right there, you know, because I'm like, imagining like he's got to be holding it like this because he can't that's got a long barrel i love those movies but um but yeah you you got my attention and uh it works it worked and it, it led me right into i gotta know what happens next yeah and that so that's the tough part so and and that goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning merle which is we're all on a journey and so what i did in the I think it was set in about an 11 month time frame with uh, with Cooper and the story that he went through is I just wanted to, with a jolt, walk someone through the journey that he went through to get to a better place. You know, is, is there perfection? I mean, because we won't give away parts of it, but my wife was a little bothered by the ending of the book. She was bothered by the beginning and the ending. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Um, well, but well, because it didn't tie everything up in a neat little bow, but that, right. but it did, but it didn't. So uh, yeah. anyway, we won't, we won't give any of that away, hopefully here on the show, but, uh, but yeah, I, I really just wanted to reveal journey because I am so compassionate and understanding to the journey that people went on. And, and, you know, Merle, prior to 2008, I'm not sure that I would have been. I thought that I probably thought I was a pretty big deal and that, you know, if it is to be, it's up to me, even though right. I had a faith at the time and that I'm a hard worker and look at me, look at all our financial blessings and stuff like that. And I'm pretty awesome in business and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, a few years later, after feeling like you're just getting punched in the gut, you know, every day or every week or something like that, it's kind of like, I'm not sure I'm that big of a deal. And then, <laughs> and then after a while you start thinking, I'm not sure I'm either, I'm even worth, you know, walking the earth. <laughs> I, I, question. Boy, I, it, and it seems like, <clears throat> I love how you're, you're characterizing this, Tim. It's a journey. Our life is a journey. It's not one and done. It's a total journey. And we go through these trials through life. And it seems like as you're talking about our pride, especially as Ben, I, I don't know about everybody else, but Tim, I've I've had that as well, where I thought I was a pretty big deal. And then and then the humbling came along and the humiliation and and these things that uh, sort of I, I kind of look at it as I look back on these things as, you know, I'm a piece of wood with a lot of rough ev edges and life has a way of sanding down those rough edges to make a a very smooth, uh, uh, you know, desirable object in the end. Um, I think that's kind of what happens if you allow it. I think I saw a quote from you, though, that said, you have a choice in situations like this. You can let it uh, either destroy you or cause you to rise to a higher level. Yeah. So one thing about that, Merle, while you were talking, I was sitting here thinking uh, the the foundation, this is my belief at this time. 
I think the foundation of our lives is our creator God wants to have relationship with us. And so everything that we're doing is really drawing towards him or drawing away from him. Mm. And so I don't really believe that God caused the 2008 crash just so he could get a hold of Tim. But as it occurred, he had an opportunity to, for my heart to soften. See, as guys, our hearts get so hard. We get so cocky. We get so arrogant. Or it's just a hardening of our hearts. And some people say, what does that mean, hardening of a heart? We get to where we're callous and we just don't care about anyone other than ourselves. Yep. We're just focused on ourselves. And sometimes it's physical things. And you know how guys get off onto physical problems. Sometimes it's just selfishness. And so I, I think the real journey, Merle, is are we moving towards him, God, or are we hardening our hearts to move away from him? And I don't want to oversimplify. I know there's a lot of nuances there, but to me, that's, I mean, the, the, the more mature I get, uh, I just turned 59. So I'm on the tail end of that over 50 heading into some real mature life. And I I really believe the simplicity of it is, are, are we going, God is always pursuing us. Are we going to move towards him? Are we going to move away from him? And this is, oh, I'm sorry, God. And that's the simplicity. I mean, it's that simple. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's that simple. Well, well, this is what I think was so interesting and masterful about what you did with your book, because what ends up happening with Cooper is he he meets his uh, a coach or a mentor. And and the way that he meets, I won't go into because, I mean, that was amazing, uh, an amazing odyssey, I would say. But um, the, the the coach, Asa, is going to teach uh, uh, Cooper or coach him into success. And, you know, the, the title of your book here is, you know, coach, uh, a story of success redefined. So I, I, I kind of knew when he met Asa that there was going to be a redefining of the success. It's not all the material wealth that, that Cooper had, but the, he, he's going to teach him these three foundational lessons. And the first one is, uh, the act of love. And uh, Cooper is kind of perplexed by this whole thing. Like, wait, I thought you were going to teach me how to how to be better in life. You're going to teach me about love. That's uh, that seems so counterintuitive. And uh, and then this amazing thing reveals itself is that Cooper uh, doesn't really he doesn't really understand what real love is. He understands only what the world's love is. And uh and you and, and so this whole act of love, maybe you could describe this for me a little bit, Tim, because when I read it the first time and I'm a Christian and I I, I understand agape love. But when I read your uh, uh, description of it, it was really Asa's description. I was kind of blown away myself, hmm. I, not that I didn't understand what that kind of love was. But when you put it all together like that, uh, it was a pretty powerful little uh, a little message you had there. And I wonder yeah. what you said in your book, in your uh, afterward uh, that parts of the book seem to have written itself. Uh, maybe you could elaborate on that. There, There's so much to that question. And I'm so excited that, 
you got what was attempting to occur there. First of all, Cooper was pissed. He wasn't just bothered. I mean, again, we won't go through a lot of things, but he, he wasn't in his comfortable home with his TV and all that. He was in a different part of the world that he had pursued some answers to what was going on in his life. And then when he got to whatever that place was, you know, this guy was going to teach, train him, show him the secrets of everything. And the first thing was a little card that had a definition of love on it. And so he was a little bit miffed in, in that, you know, a few chapters earlier, he had been on the 38th floor of a high rise in Houston, Texas, right. <laughs> you know, marble floors and all that kind of stuff. And now he's sitting here in a, anyway, that was part of the brokenness that I wanted to convey. Mm. And that word brokenness, I think is very important. It is <laughs> very, very difficult, Merle, for us. And, and again, we're talking, I'm talking a lot to men, but there's some women listening in going, how can I get my husband or my man to, <laughs> to listen to this? Right. It's, it's, we are, this is a scriptural term. So people can take it to die to self. And what that means is it kind of revolves, it kind of goes into the second principle or the act that I have, which was the act of faith. And my definition of faith ties in with this act of love, which is the world doesn't revolve around you. <laughs> You're not the most important. There is, there's always a bigger picture other than you. That's how I define faith in so many words in, in the book here. And so what that means is that love is that foundational principle. If the world is all about you, then you don't need love. Mm. It doesn't matter. Just go about life doing whatever you want to do that makes you happy, that satisfies your fleshly desires, all the stuff you want to do. So I really did believe that of the three of love, faith, and peace, which are the three acts that we have, that um that we needed to get love as a foundation first and so that's where that came from the definition i can't really describe merle exactly where those came from i spent a number of months where i wrote out definitions for the three acts that are in the book and for those that may not understand it's kind of what i call fiction with purpose or fiction on a mission it's it's a story and i think it's a pretty good story but it's a story that's got a little bit of a purpose and so there's some principles that we're trying to get across in it and so i sat down and i just in in prayer time and quiet time attempted to write out short but not two sentence short a few paragraphs definitions of love faith and peace so that was mm -hmm. kind of where it came from so so these are the 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 stepping stones for cooper uh to 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 arrive at a place of um i don't know if it's self-actualization but um but in a place where he can it, love faith and peace are rungs on a ladder and yeah. uh, my father used to say this tim that everybody in the world is looking for one thing and that is peace of mind and that he said that to me a bunch of times, and he's one of the wisest people that I that I've ever known. Uh, I yeah. didn't know he was wise until I was well into my adult years. Um, but he seemed to have gotten wiser as I got older. <laughs> anyway, um, 
but I always wondered, well, how do you get to this peace of mind thing? Um, it's it's one thing to say it like I want peace of mind. Uh, I understand. I want to be at a place where I feel like everything is good and I feel at rest. But how do I get there? And this book, Tim, and I, I, I call it masterful because you've given a very simplistic step by step. Here's how you arrive at that piece that we're talking about. And it made so much logical sense that step by step, first, you have to understand what love is and that God actually loves you with that kind of self-sacrificial love. And until you understand that God isn't up there with a big fly swatter waiting to smack you down, you can't actually have faith that God is for you, that he's going to help you to make all things work together for good. And until you have that faith that God is that type of a God, you can't actually have actual peace of mind that everything is mm -hmm. all right. And that no matter what happens, even the bad things, um, that they're all leading to a good place, uh, that God has ordained for you. And, and I think it's, um, uh, maybe I can glean this real quick. It's nope. Uh, <laughs> it's to discover the person that God meant for you to be. That's what mm -hmm. uh, Cooper's wife had said to him early in the book. And that comes mm -hmm. out in the end as well. So beautiful, Tim, the way you tied all of that together. Um, I'm sort of just the whole revelation of that step-by-step -step to get to what my dad told me about all my life. And I've studied the Bible. I know, I know it, but you made it so simple there. How did, how did you come <laughs> up with that? Well, it's, Fascinating. I think it might be helpful for you to know a little bit of the origins of the story, because all that you 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 just unpacked so many cool things about the story, which is, which the reason I love this, Merle, is that you get a lot of what I've had a lot of people read the book and say, oh, this is a great story. I like it. Oh, yeah, I like this part. But you really are picking it apart to the level that I really intended it to be to be looked at and and if for someone listening who hasn't read it I, I think it's an enjoyable story even if you don't get all of these nuances but my wife and I when we took off in that Honda van we had no idea where we were going in 2013 and so we just went to we would pray every morning and say Lord where do you want us to go and we ended up visiting some friends that were in Colorado and 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 then from there we anyway we moved around a good bit we we ended up overseas we were in australia new zealand and and we were being pretty well taken care of considering we didn't have any financial resources and no money or anything like that because we ended up house sitting for people hmm. right. um wow. and so so here we were over in brisbane australia in a million dollar home near a horse track when we were basically homeless nomads with zero money and the people would stock the shelves, wine cellar, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of a fascinating story. I, I, I really do believe for those that trust in the Lord, that he'll take care of you. The problem is most of us don't trust in him. We, Man, I we, mean, trust, they, we trust in ourselves. We don't trust in him. That's a yes, whole nother story. Yes. I can relate to everything you're saying here. Go on. This is awesome. Yeah. And so, um, so anyway, so we're traveling and I won't go into all that story, but we're on the North Island of New Zealand 
in what's called Tongariro National Park, which is the conical volcano that Peter Jackson used as a model for um, Lord of the Rings, Mount Doom. That's Tongariro National Park. He didn't have to do a lot of CG there. That volcano is right there. And so we were staying there in a little bitty camper van. It was cold. And I had been reading some scripture. And because it was winter there, I put it down at 5 p.m. And my wife and I were just laying there. We were cold. We were we were excited to be where we were, but we were still pretty down because we weren't exactly sure where all this was leading. And when I went to sleep that night, I had a dream or a thought about this book that you've read. Mm-hmm. And and it was it sort of spun off from the scripture I was reading, but a little bit differently. It wasn't like based on scripture. It was spun off from a character in scripture. Huh. And, and so... I got the beginning of the book, which you said really grabbed you. I got the end of the book. And I got a lot of the, as as we'll call them, hooks, you know, we're right at the end of a chapter where it kind of drops off a cliff and you yes. have to keep reading. That, that, that I, was I amazing, actually. I was I was kind of mad at you, actually, because I was like, I'm ready to go to bed. Oh, now I got to read this next chapter. Yeah, well, good, good. Then I accomplished what I needed to, you did it, to, to make Merle mad at me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a good mad, so, though. <laughs> and so, so, the, so the origin of the story really was a character that I envisioned kind of transcending time that it was a person that originated out of a scripture of someone who had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And and that really is the origin of the character of Asa, kind of this mystical coach, mentor, teacher that you don't really know much about their background or anything. It's kind of a little bit odd. Yes. And, um, and so that was the origin of the book. So a lot of things started spilling over from that. And, and so that's what, that's what we built upon out of, out of this upon. dream that you had. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That is amazing. I love yeah. to hear that. So this is, God is inspiring you through this dream uh, to put this. I mean, this is a message from God. I, I can't, I mean, this is, that's how it struck me uh, Mm -hmm. that, and I wondered, you know, how does, how does Tim get this message? How does he know this stuff? And uh, I mean, it really struck me now, uh, Tim. And I think as my dad said, everyone is looking for a peace of mind and it is probably the most valuable thing we can have in life. Yeah. and And the foundational thing there is, what do you put your trust in? Do you put your trust in yourself? And I can tell you, if you do that, it's going to be very difficult to ever get to a place of peace and rest just because of all that's going on. Kind of goes back to what we said earlier. You know, if you think the world revolves around you, there's going to be some challenges and struggles because there's other stuff going on. There's other people. And my belief is there's a higher authority. There's a creator there. And so this is where the rest and peace comes in, Merle, for me is I want to connect with my creator. I want to correct with connect with the one that made me so that I understand me more. And, uh, you know, the, the, the way that works is we have to submit, we have to admit that we're not all that, 
<laughs> you know, I well, think that's the challenge. It, it, it's a basic theme that that kind of we've talked about here today is that uh, you, when we as men realize that we're not all of that and we humble ourselves and depend on our creator, uh, then things start to get easier in life. But it's counterintuitive to the way the world works, Tim, because, you know, while my dad was telling me that uh, uh, the whole world was looking for peace of mind, he would also say things like, uh, what do you mean you're not worried about that? You better worry about that if you want to eat right, if you want to eat shrimp. Uh, or he would say <laughs> things like, uh, you know, if it is to be, it's up to me. And that means you. And, you know, so we had to carry this thing, like, if you're going to make it happen, it is up to you. So we, you know, while I was hearing good things, it was also mixed with the world's wisdom as well. And I came out of that whole thing pretty, pretty messed up, uh, wondering why uh, I'm having panic attacks and wondering why I can't just relax. Like some people seem to be able to relax and just let things happen. Um, is that wrong? I mean, aren't we supposed to be like that? Like it so, is up to me. Yeah. This is where I've landed with that conversation, bro. You're exactly right. It's, it's very difficult to reconcile. And I want to use the word reconcile mm, That's a good word. the two realms that we operate in. And here's, here's where I'm at with that right now. Okay. This is not, <laughs> don't make a doctrine out of this or anything like that. I believe that we have to choose our side. Are we going to live and operate in that world system? I'll call it Babylon. That's a little bit of a, a term. Or are we going to function in the kingdom that we'll call God's kingdom? And people will say, wait, even if I'm in God's kingdom, I'm still living in this world system. Yes, you are. But where are you putting your allegiance? Where are you putting your trust? Where are you putting your faith? So here's the challenge too, and I'm gonna let me go ahead and layer in some complications to this. <laughs> just great <laughs> because because a lot of a lot of people will say, oh, okay, I just need to go to church, and if I go to church once a week, then all's good, and I'll be set with this God thing. The challenge is most church structures have taken scriptures, the Bible, and this concept, and they've just applied it to that world system, mm -hmm. and so it's a world system with some scripture in the name of Jesus or whatever you know, deity, they might want to tie into it. It's a personal thing. This has got to be a personal thing. You, me, whoever's listening at some point, I believe we have to, I'm going to use this word again, have to reconcile with the fact. And I do believe it's a fact that we were created and we were created for purpose. There's a design behind it, all of that. And when we reconcile that, then we have to go down this path of how do we interact with this creator of the universe? And that's then where the Christian part comes in, because that's what Jesus Christ was for. He went to the cross, died, was resurrected, so that we could then have reconciliation or reconnection with the Father. That is where peace comes from. When all of a sudden we recognize that we can have relationship with our creator everything changes but if we think but if we right. think god's mad at us or we think god is out to get us it's going to be we're going to be wrecked most I, of I, our lives 
There's a part in the book where Ace is talking to uh, Cooper about the very that very thing, and he's talking about the fact that uh, it, it was really the part where they're about to go into a church, and Cooper's kind of freaking out a little bit, and he's trying to hide it from Asa that he's feeling uncomfortable about going into this church, and then Asa comes to him and says, "Look, it's this is really." Uh, Look, it's church isn't a building. I'm just paraphrasing. And church isn't a building. Church is the relationship that you have with your Lord. And uh, and really, that's all that matters. Uh, this is church. A lot of times is really man's religion. Or you have to be careful that you're walking into man's religion. It's not that all churches are like that, but a lot of them are. And uh, the the priority isn't the building or the church leader or the dogma that that church has. The priority is this intimate relationship that you have with your creator. And something came out of that, Tim, which in my mind was that um, our purpose in life, and, and a lot of people want to know, what is my purpose? What is my purpose in life? And what I was getting out of the message you had put together was the purpose is to enjoy this life in the love of, 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 of the Lord that's coming down, that he made all of this for us to, to really just enjoy the love that he's showering down on us. He didn't, he didn't make us to be all worried and, and running the, in this rat race. Um, you started out with this concept of love. It seems to me that the purpose is to not only receive his love, but then to receive it to the point of overflowing so that we can share that love with everybody around us. And that brings in harmony and this peace and love. Gosh, if everybody just thought like that, can you imagine what the world would be like today? Yeah, it would it would change everything. And you're right. I mean, if if you know, I think what we've done, again, this is where we get involved with world system. And remember, I'm a business coach. I work with executive teams, leaders. So I see this. If if we don't know what we're created for, like, let's just use the title. I should be a pastor. I should be a, I should run a company. I should be a janitor in a school. I should be a teacher. If, see, we think that's we're created for stuff like that. And I'm not saying that there aren't people that are wired for that, Merle. That's not what I'm saying. But I believe foundational. We were created for three things. This is scriptural. I won't go, I won't get into scripture, but I'll just tell you three things. Love God, love other people, and love ourselves. Hmm. Period. Hmm. Period. If you don't know, if you're, if someone's listening, going, I don't know why I'm here on earth. I, 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 you know, I, I was digging ditches and now I'm doing this, you know, serving coffee at the local coffee shop. I don't know what I'm created for. Love God. <laughs> if people walk in to get a cup of coffee, love people, mm. love yourself, man, period. It, again, such a simple, but timeless truth. And, uh, yeah. and you know, Tim, I, my grandmother, um, one of the sweetest people you could ever meet, uh, towards the end of her life, she had found the answer and wanted to tell all of us about it. And she would come come to me and tell me, well, everything revolves around love, Merle. 
And it's love. Love is the answer. I mean, that was the answer for everything for her in the end. And I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't following that. I didn't understand <laughs> what she was saying. I'm like, really? Cause I got this report due. And what if I just write love on it? Do you think they're going to be going to, I didn't, I didn't get it, but she did. And you know what? Her face, her countenance showed me like now that I look back and think about this. And I thought about this a lot when I read your book, I thought about the look on her face when she told me that was one of complete peace. Like just even almost sounded like music as she was saying this to me. I didn't get it, but she did. She was way far ahead of me. This book really exemplifies that Cooper is a different person at the end than he was at the beginning um is it's it's when you have that you're like a magnet uh people are drawn to you instead of repelled from you it's 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 really quite a, a an amazing thing when you take a look at how this seed of love is i mean we saw it change cooper but we've seen this change people dramatically in life. Now, now my question to you, Tim, is this. You went through some really tough stuff here, but you had the Lord when, when you went through this. You didn't have to find the Lord the way that uh, really the Lord found Cooper. And you, you don't find the Lord. The Lord finds you. Uh, he's already found you. If you think you're hiding from him, you're not. Uh, but yeah, Did but it, you have to learn about this love concept through your trial that you went through, Tim? All right, it's more complicated than that, Merle. Just like we said, it's simple. I love how you say, it. oh, it's so simple. No, it's not. Here's what we've done. And when I say we, probably everyone listening to this, you have. Because we are all basically living in what I call the Greco-Roman culture which is the Greece Roman culture of yes. segment segmenting our lives. We have this, this is what we have going on. And this really is the cause of a lot of anxiety, strife and issues in our life. The middle Eastern culture, they have, everything is one. The, the old, the Jewish Hebrew middle Eastern culture, uh, the, everything is wrapped up in one. Their, their spiritual life, their physical life, their job, their their hobbies all of that is all in one ball i'm kind of holding my hands together for those that might be listening but the greece and then the roman culture they started separating things out they got all smart quote unquote and so our modern culture is based on that and here's what we do i'm going to exaggerate slightly but people are going to go oh yeah i know what you're saying so in 2008 I had my business and my companies and they were rocking along and I had that all in one compartment of my life. I had my spiritual walk, which was a lot of going to church, even though I had a lot of private time that I spent with the Lord too, but it's that. I had my married life. That was segmented. I had my father. I'm a father. So I had children that were almost grown. I'm a son. I've got parents, you know, that, that I have, I, I would say I have a lot of hobbies. I've never really had a lot of hobbies or anything like that, but we segment our lives. And that is what most people have done with their spiritual walk. They take whatever it is, if it's Buddhism or whatever, they just put it in a, put it in a bit of a box and they keep it there. And then they pull it out maybe one day a week. 
get cleaned up, go to church and things like that. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. so I, I was a little bit more all encompassing, well-rounded because I really did spend a lot of time with the Lord, but here's what I recognized. I did Merle in business. I thought I was so smart and so good. I would get great ideas from the Lord. And I believe the Lord's hand was in a lot of what I was doing. But the challenge is, is I would get all cocky and arrogant thinking I was pretty darn smart and we were doing great. And, you know, I was speaking on stages around the country and all this kind of stuff. We were going through this downturn and I was just pressing in, trying to spend more time with the Lord. I was answering the question you brought up earlier, but yeah, Tim, you already had the Lord. Why did this happen? I really felt as if the Lord told me that I had been treating him like an ATM machine. Hmm that I only went to him when I needed to make a withdrawal, get a little extra cash. Things were a little bit rough. And then I would say, thank you, Lord. I'm going to go out and metaphorically party. And then I'll come back to you when I need to make another withdrawal. Right. This is what I believe the Lord told me. He said, I want to partner, have covenant with you 24 seven in everything you do. Yes. Yes. So stop treating me like an ATM machine. Now, the Lord has to speak to me fairly tough. Some people might be a little softer and, you know, might be nice, nice Jesus talking to them. The Lord's like two by four to Tim or, <laughs> you know, downturn, homelessness, <laughs> living in a van down by the river. Bam, got your attention. Now, stop treating me like an ATM machine. I want you and I to be 24-7. So the answer to the question is most people... They go to church, they clean up, they've got their life, but they probably have segments of their life that they have departed from that. So that's that's really what I see happening is that we segment our lives and we segment God and he does not need to be segmented. Boy, that's such an interesting thing that you that you're bringing up here, and and you're right. This is our culture. I was just having a conversation with my wife this morning about uh, uh, Tom Brady, and he was talking about how he, I guess, he lost the game last night, and he was talking about how he had to uh, uh, focus on uh, this part of his life and not let this other part of his life uh, distract him, which is probably the most important part of his life. Uh, but um, the conversation was, I get that. I get that he's got to go to work and he's got to, he's got some turmoil at home and he's got to put that away. But see, we do that. Like you're saying, uh, we're, we might need to do stuff like that in life, but we got to be able to, when it comes to our relationship with God, he's in all aspects of our lives and uh, wants to, to make all things work together, even the little tiny things for good for us. And uh, when we realize that that's the kind of God that we serve, um, then even these tough situations, I, I think, I, I think it was something that I read that you were saying, um, was that none of us want to have these bad things come into our lives, but it's those challenges where God has done his greatest work with us and, and shown us how we can, if there's something that's uh, leading to a bad place, this exposes it. And it shows us uh, if we have our eyes on him, he's showing us exactly where we can correct this whole thing. And I look at your life, Tim, 
you mentioned earlier that okay you ended up in a van by the river right but now you're still in a van by the river but things are not the same as as they were back then talk about that transition i mean tim you live an unusual life uh you are um uh, and and maybe a life that a lot of us uh and i think especially men would would embrace uh tell me a little bit about what you and your wife are doing right now and the lifestyle that you live well currently point of view i'm i'm sitting in our 39 foot motor coach that my studio office is in the passenger seat and we are about 10 minutes from the entrance of zion national park in southern oh, utah love that place it's beautiful spot. Yeah, I could I could look out over my laptop and see a mesa and it is a rainy day. So it's kind of unique for this part of the world. Wow. But but it's good for me to kind of do some things like we're doing today, have these great conversations. So we are and it's, and it's we my wife and I have been together for 34 years now through all that we've discussed. And and we travel, live, work in this 39 foot motor coach that would be our home so we're still quote unquote homeless nomads i guess might be a good term but it's real interesting we we started doing this 2018 and, and uh bought this rig and and kind of gutted it made an office out of it and our living space and all that and we hit the road in late 18 early 19 not really knowing what the lord was doing in our lives and then we all know what happened in March of 2020, mm, this thing do. called COVID, where they all of a sudden, there's a term that none of us had heard before called socially distanced, <laughs> social distancing. Yes. And we looked at each other and said, we already live a socially distanced life. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. We don't, we don't go in and out of hotels. You know, we live in our, we, you know, we've got our, all this kind of, so it's like, we really do believe there was a divine something going on there. And we were able to travel and go places that not wow. a lot of people were. Yeah. So, and, you know, there were different parts of the country that obviously were very, uh, you know, big cities and all that. You needed to be mindful of what was going on. Um, we just went to South Dakota where they didn't care. And there weren't many people. And, and, you know, that was awesome. So, I so, I, so today, and there's a couple other things that need to be layered in here today. We uh, have a lot more money in the bank, have a lot more assets, have a lot more, what some would call worldly wealth, but we've got that because of the shift in the way we think and the way our lifestyle is. Mm. We made a lot of money leading up to OM but we spent a lot of money. The reason we did was I had an addiction that most people have in our culture. And that was, I was addicted to more. <laughs> I think a lot of people can relate to this. Yeah. It's like, you know, one business is good, but two businesses would be better. <laughs> and, you know, 3000 square feet is nice, but 6,000 square feet, you know, and then once you do that, you got to fill it up. It's not like you're going to have a bunch of empty rooms. That would be embarrassing. Wouldn't it? If you had a big old house with empty rooms in it. And if you got a three car garage instead of a two car garage, you need three cars in the garage. Right. So we really have had to 
bust up that addiction to more. And I had it more than my wife. I mean, there's probably a few things, but but it's really what we have in our culture. And yes. I would say it's the yes. biggest hindrance. It's the biggest. And listen, it's where a lot of things spin off for men. It's where it's where porn comes in when men yes. get addicted to porn. It's, it's really addicted to more. If you're with mm-hmm. someone, it doesn't satisfy you. And so you want more. If it's if it's substance, if it's alcohol or drugs, it's just more. What you, what you have doesn't satisfy you. So you want more. So I'm not making light of serious chemical addictions or anything like that, but the root of them is the addiction to more, not being yes. content, not being happy, not being satisfied with what we're created for, which is, let me tie it together here. Love God, love people, love yourself. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, the 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 story that you tell is, I mean, such an iconic story of exactly what you just said. I, I, you know that, obviously, but the reader uh, uh, really certainly gets that and can see this transition of, you know, here's Cooper and he's like, most especially men out there that uh, they feel like that's our purpose in life you know it's a, a you know it's all about bottom line profit and self self-worth is tied up financially and um and tied up in what you do i i i uh, you you talked about that before and i and this is a danger in our society is that we tie our self-worth to our profession. And what we've seen, especially over the last couple of years, is that professions can be wiped out overnight. And what we also saw was the suicide rate went through the roof. And not a lot of people are talking about that. But when you take away people's self-worth, then they start to think about, well, what is there worth living for? And I personally think that this is a time where uh, this this message needs to really take root that you have about love, about faith and peace, and how that's tied to the foundation of love. Because just like me as a Christian for you know decades, I know this stuff. But when you put it together in a sequence like this, while well, you say it's simple and not simple at the same time, it, we need to get the simple message out there so that people can actually start to 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 uh, to absorb that type of lifestyle and 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 really have happiness. Because when it comes down to it, Tim, I don't think that the majority of the people in life that I've run into have that happiness. No, and and the reason why is if there is good, there's also bad. If there's light, there's also darkness. If there is a path that we should be going on, there is in all likelihood something that's trying to prevent us from going down that path. And some people, we could get really spiritual and say it's God and the devil or you know whatever. But, but let's just say that if it is that simple, there is something that's going to attempt to keep you from doing that. Uh, deceive you and things like that. And so I think we need an awareness of that. You know, we don't have to get, uh, you know, super, you know, hyper spiritual or anything like that. Just be aware that if there is good, there's also bad. 
if there's light in the world, there's also darkness. And so what we're talking about is the good. What we're talking about is the light. And we have to recognize that there are things out there that are going to attempt you from walking in that light or to have that good. That's why, you know, bad things happen. Uh, you know, I mean, we're as we're talking right now, my father is in hospice. And we're probably being told that he probably is not going to make it. And for the last two years, he hasn't known who we are because he's had dementia. He's, he doesn't really know who we are now. So, so, so listen, that's a bad thing, but we are right now hopeful and praying that he just has a peaceful passing. We know that the timing is probably imminent and I'm flying to Atlanta tomorrow. So I'm hopeful that I'll be able to see him and all of that, even though, he won't know who I am. Those are not good things. Those are bad things. That's just the type of world we live in. And, uh, but it doesn't change my purpose, which is love God, love people, <laughs> love self. You know, you brought up something with identity. I want to, I can't not let this drop because I see it with executives, people that are financially successful. And it's really, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? What is your identity? And Merle, this is really a root type item, because if you see a CEO or a janitor or a ditch digger, that is okay, but there's no depth to that. That is extremely superficial. And one thing I could guarantee you is that CEO, I think the salaries now say that most CEOs, they have 256 times the income of the janitor. I can guarantee you that that CEO is not 256 times more valuable than that janitor. They are both equal in my eyes. That's the love for people that we need to have. And I, and I coach that to leaders I work with because I work with that CEO and I let them know if you're looking at that janitor as if he's 256 times less valuable than you, then you're off track and you're, you're heading for some type of a challenge, some type of a fall. But that identity is important. And, and this is what I've come up with. I really do think identity, there's a root to it. And it goes back to something we talked about earlier. The root of our identity, it isn't our bank accounts, it isn't our titles, it isn't what's in your garage, it isn't the house you're living in, all the stuff that I talked about with Cooper and in the book, it's none of that. That has nothing to do with your identity. That's just stuff that's going to come and go in our lives. And and it does come and go, I can guarantee yes. you that. Yes. Because before 2008, I had a lot of it. After 2008, my identity didn't change during that time. Right. Right. But but our identity comes down to two things. Hmm. See, we've got a kingdom of God. This is going to get a little bit spiritual, but hang with me. Right on. The kingdom of God exists. If you want to say it doesn't, especially after listening to this long to this conversation, I don't know if I could help you, but it exists. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, I'm looking over here at Zion National Park and I drive through there and I see the hand of God everywhere. That's right. like that. And someone same. said over, over the last 3 million years, this stream has carved that out. I'm going, you know, I'm an engineer from Georgia tech. I, I, I just don't see it. This looks like <laughs> someone went poof and something miraculous happened. Right. So there's a kingdom of God. And so here is the identity issue. There's two types of people. There are orphans people that are not part of that kingdom. And then there's those that have chosen to be adopted into that kingdom. That's the only two identities that exist. Hmm. 
if you're an orphan, you're out here. Mm-hmm. You have no clue. You have no concept mm. and you're trying to figure it out on your own power. You're all about self and all that. But if you have been adopted, the creator of the universe has said, I want you a part of my kingdom, which he has. And you say, yes, I want to be part of that kingdom. Then you're adopted into that kingdom. Now, things are still challenging, but your identity just changed totally. And that is the foundational root of identity. And once we start getting that, and I'm not saying we totally understand it, everything else cascades from that purpose, love, faith, peace, you know, no anxiety, no stress, because really our anxiety and stress comes from when we're trying to figure out what we're supposed to do on this earth. That's so true. I mean, that's exactly right, Tim. My gosh, I was so excited about what you're saying because this is so key. I I personally had an experience where I had uh, lost a a position that I had and and I had tied all my self-worth into that whole thing. And I hit rock bottom as a result, realized I needed help, got involved in an organization that helps other people on the first day, they elected me president of that organization for some odd reason. I had no idea. They didn't know me. I, I whispered under my breath. I, they were electing a president. I said, I'll be the president. Oh, Merle's going to do it. And that was helping other people finding a job. I helped almost all of them find a job before I got one. And it was one of the most wonderful experiences ever, taking my eyes off myself, realizing that I the whole thing happened when I hit rock bottom. I'm like, I must be doing something wrong. God, show me what to do. And before I knew it, I was involved in this organization, helping other people. And this was a whole different kind of love before it was all about me. And how am I going to do this for my family? And when I put it into his hands and said, show me what to do, it's almost like Asa showed up for me and showed me like, put no, it's about love. And then all, Man, one of the greatest joys was when one of those people that I was able to help came back in and said, I got the job. And it was almost like I got 10 jobs. Uh, So I get what you're saying there. And it's so key to understand your identity. My identity isn't a podcaster or a businessman or uh, even my first identity is I'm a child of God and God loves me. And once Mm -hmm. I got that part, everything got easier. Uh, didn't mean things were easy. <laughs> they got easier. The more I just relax and let him do it, even in the bad things, they always lead to something good. Uh, e- even this conversation. I mean, it is uh, really, uh, this book really brings it out here. Tim, I want to bring up something and we, we've got about six minutes left, but the, the concept of a coach, you're a coach. Um, I have uh, I think it's interesting that you chose coach uh for for Asa and um I look at how coaches I was in sports growing up how coaches have influenced my life for the most part very very positive influence and those coaches that came with the I was speaking actually to one of my coaches last night, the coaches that come with love, this kind of love, uh, and they're not thinking of themselves, sort of like what I was doing in this place. Those people can move, help really 
turn the world upside down and move it in a positive direction. How, how did you, um, first off, come up with this idea to have Asa as a coach and, and as a coach yourself, how were you influenced by coaches growing up? Yeah, well, one of the things that I've always felt, and I use the word assignment a lot, you know, you brought up earlier that you're not a podcaster, but when you understand you're a child of God, he can use this assignment of podcasting to get across his thing. So that's, and you helping people get jobs, that's excellent. And it just kind of gets our eyes off ourselves. Both my parents were educators. And when I was growing up, I wanted to be a teacher and a coach until I found out how much money they made. And I was very disappointed. I didn't realize we were poor. Um, <laughs> and so I became an engineer. But as soon as I went into corporate, I started moving into more of a coach type role. It's just, I, I'm just kind of wired to teach, coach, hopefully encourage and uplift other people. And uh, and so I've always done it. In every position I've ever been in, I've kind of been in that type role. The reason, it, it was very difficult coming up with a name for this book, more difficult than it should have been. I've got other books that I'm working on now that the name came first and then the story cascaded. The original title of this book was called Counselor, huh. but it just didn't resonate with me. I just couldn't quite get it. And so I kept saying, Lord, what do you think? And, and the word coach, I did have someone say, you know, I'm not really into sports. I'm not interested in that book. I'm going, it's not really a sports book, but I get it. Um, so the reason I wanted to use coach is because my character Cooper would let his guard down with a coach where he probably would not do that with a therapist, counselor, no. something like that. I didn't even want to use the word mentor. And 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 if you noticed, I mean, we won't give things away, but I also tied it together with someone that was a coach in his life from yes. a younger day. Yes. And so I really wanted to tie that together. Plus, it's it's really the title that I use for myself. I call myself a strategic coach for, you know, working with executives and all that. Yes. It just kind of fit together well. So, so that's really the way that the, the title coach. And, and if you notice, I think there's a dialogue between Ace and Cooper where Cooper basically says, who are you and what should I call you? And, right. and Asa basically says, I don't really care what you call me. I'm just here to lead and guide you to the place that you need to be. So call me whatever you want. And he, I think he goes through a couple of names. He says, or you could call me a coach. And I think Cooper says, wow, you can make a lot of money being a coach in today's world. And Ace's response is, I have no need of money. Yeah, he was he he was already taken care of the way that the way that he put uh, his attitude towards money uh, that that actually uh, appealed to me. I'm like, yeah. I, I, he said, I have I have no need for money. I'm I, I'm I'm. I'm already wealthy or something like that. And it wealthy isn't necessarily money. Um, and uh, the, the thing here you had said here, uh, that, that very line you have on the back of your book, actually, it's like where Gase is saying that um, he helps people on their journey in life. And that's exactly what a coach has done for me. Interesting that you chose that Tim, because I, uh, as I, that conversation about what do I call you? And then this whole thing with this coach from his childhood, I had some very good coaches. If something like that were to happen to me, I would have been, uh, I would have done an about face as well. 
if I'd heard that some one of my something happened to one of my coaches, that would have gotten my attention too. So masterful job, Tim. I'm gonna we're gonna wrap up here, but uh, I just want to say thank you for coming on to this show and sharing your heart with us. And 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 uh, the audience I know is gonna get a lot out of this. Tell me about. Um, What's next for you? Do you have a do you have an upcoming book? We got about a minute and a half, and I also want you to tell us how how we how our audience can look you up, how they can get a hold of you, and how they can get this book. Sure. Yeah. Well, people can find me on my website, timwinders.com, W-I-N-D-E-R-S, timwinders.com. And they could they could get to our podcast there that they should check out, and they could also get to where the book is. And the next project, I actually have a number of books that are outlined. And some of them may involve similar characters, but right now I'm actually finishing up a five years later <laughs> story of, of Cooper that kind of uh, takes him beyond five years after the story that you read. And it's probably going to be a mini novel. And truthfully, I'm probably just going to give it away on my website. So people need to stay connected at timwinders.com. And uh, I'll probably just give that away because wanted to just finish up a little bit of that story before I circled back and started writing some other stories. But I've got things I've got going on. I've got my coaching. I've got the writing of books and podcasts. Those are some big projects that I've got. You got a lot going on, Tim. Tim, again, I want to thank you. TimWinders.com is where you can find him. And uh, also, thank you for checking out Over 50 Starting Over, special edition, The Merle Show. You can find us on Over 50. That's 50 uh, startingover.com and leave a comment for us and give us a thumbs up and pass this on to all your friends and relatives. Thanks. 